0: Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Yellow Line, a true crime podcast. I'm going to be your host, LJ, and today we will be discussing the abduction of Jamie Kloss. Before we get into today's episode of the podcast, I have to give a shout out to my good friend Joshua Miles. Joshua Miles has a website called requestacase.com, and if you've never heard of it, it's everything a creator could imagine, for the true crime genre that is, because it is a wonderful website where you, yes you, can go to and put in the next case that I might cover. So if you haven't ever seen it, please go ahead and check out requestacase.com. Again, that is requestacase.com backslash yellow so that you can request a case for me to cover. Who knows? It might just be the next episode of the podcast. But enough about that. Let's get into today's episode. So, who's Jamie Kloss? Well, Jamie is, you know, your average 13 year old girl. She was born July 13th, 2005, and she lived in Barron, Wisconsin. Everything was pretty normal in her life up until October 15th, 2018. On October 15th, 2018, Jake Thomas Patterson would change Jamie's life. Now Jake Thomas Patterson was a 21 year old and he had happened to be in the area of Barron, Wisconsin. And he wasn't actually from that area. He was more from Gordon, Wisconsin, which was about 70 miles away and he had had like a temp job for maybe two days at a cheese factory (laughs) and as he was leaving work he happened to see a school bus and he saw jamie getting on the school bus and from the moment he laid eyes on her he knew that she was the one he wanted to take so jake thomas patterson had A couple of attempts before he actually went through with his attack. He first attempted to kidnap Janie on October 5th, 2018. However, he was kind of derailed on doing this because he noticed there was a lot of cars and activity in the house. Uh, There were tons of cars in the driveway. Maybe it was a party. We don't really know, but he saw a lot of activity going on in the house, and he was afraid of having witnesses, and so he turned around. Two days later, he came back to the house, and he saw activity once again going on around the house, and too afraid to have witnesses to, you know, say, he came by, uh, he left again. On his third attempt, he came armed with a shotgun, he had a ski mask, and he made sure to wear gloves, and a black coat. Jamie stated that She heard a noise because her dog was barking and thought it was strange, so she got up from her seat to see a car pulling into the driveway around 12.53 AM. Through the door, her father, James Kloss, saw a figure and told them to show a badge because he thought it was maybe like an officer. He wasn't really sure who it was or why there was somebody coming to their house, but he, there was like a glass pane in their door and he looked through it and was like, show me your badge. And he was shot fatally with a bullet. And from there, Jake Patterson used his weight and maneuvered in through the door. James Kloss was Jamie's father, and he was 56 years old when he passed. He was fatally shot trying to keep Jake from entering the house. Now, Jake forcing his way through the house wanted to make sure that there were no witnesses that could say what happened to Jamie. And so he scavenged through every room of the house, making sure there was nobody else in the house until he came upon a bathroom. In the bathroom was Jamie and her mother. Jamie's mother, Denise, was doing everything she could to try to comfort Jamie. They were, you know, together in a bear hug, holding on for dear life, when Jake came to the door and tried to open it. Jake found the doorknob locked, so he shot at the handle to make it so that he could get in. And from there, he opened the door and there was Jamie and Denise. He said to Denise that she needed to duct tape Jamie's mouth closed, but Denise, obviously, as the mom, was having a hard time trying to do this. She obviously didn't want to, and she had actually called 911. The 911 records show that she called at 12.53 a.m. However, she never had a chance to speak to the operator. When she called, all the operator could hear was a sign of struggle, and it sounded very suspicious however the call eventually went dead and when the operator attempted to call back she only received the voicemail of Denise. So because Denise was having such a hard time trying to duct tape her daughter's mouth shut Jake pushed her out of the way and started duct taping Jamie's mouth shut and bounding her wrists and bounding her ankles so that she couldn't do anything and then Jake shot Denise and killed her. Denise was 46 years old when she was shot and she was shot trying to protect Jamie. From there, Jake decided he, he came for what he, he wanted, you know, he wanted to abduct Jamie. So he dragged Jamie out of the house, placed her in his trunk and they drove off. Now, the scene of the crime was obviously pretty upsetting. There was the parents, both of them dead and no sign of Jamie. And the police actually made it to the scene about four minutes after the call was placed to 911. So there wasn't a whole lot of time in between him leaving and the police showing up. Jamie stated that, you know, unbeknownst to her, she couldn't really see anything, but she heard the sound of sirens and the sound of two police cars drive past their car moments after they had gotten into the vehicle. Jake said that he pulled over about 20 seconds down the street from their house and just kind of like pretended to be a vacant car. He had turned off the dome light in his car. He had like disabled it so that when he opened the door that people couldn't see him. And he had also switched off his license plates with different ones that he had stolen so that his car couldn't be traced back to him. Unfortunately, because the deputies were in such a hurry to get to the scene of the crime, they drove right past him. When the neighbors were asked if they had heard anything, they said that they had heard two sounds of gunshots, but because the area was very famous for hunting, they didn't think anything of it. Once they got back to Jake's place, Jake forced Jamie to change into a pair of pajamas that weren't hers. And he took all of her clothes and any belongings that she had on her and he did everything he could to destroy that so that there was no evidence that she was there. From there, Jake forced Janie to hide underneath his mattress and barricaded her in underneath the mattress so that she couldn't escape. He also sealed off every exit from the house so that there was no way for her to leave prior to him going to bed that night. So let's talk about the police's end of things because they had a lengthy search ahead of them. On October 23rd, 2018, tons of search volunteers came to search the areas in and around Jamie's house. Three days later, on October 26th, the reward to find Jamie or any information regarding Jamie was pulled all the way up to $50,000. During the course of the investigation, there were 2,000 tips that were placed to the detectives, about 25 a day, trying to locate her, but none of them really assisted in any way. By the time Jamie did escape, the police had no solid leads. They had no idea who could have done this to Jamie's parents and where Jamie could be. Investigators had called a hundred volunteers together to try to scavenge the area and they looked high and low in ravines in the wilderness behind her house and looked everywhere for her but unfortunately there were no leads that were found from this and so eventually the search party was called off. Additionally, detectives had obtained about 80 different traffic and surveillance videos around the area, uh, from local businesses all the way to other locations that could have possibly been within the crime scene. And again, none of these came for any results. You know, nothing was conclusive. They couldn't find out who did this. The Wisconsin Department of Criminal Investigation even had a search and sniff dog come by to try to find, they were skilled in finding electronics, and they found both of Jamie's parents' cell phones along with Jamie's cell phone, but on the cell phones there were no records, nothing at all that could help investigators find out who could have done this. So let's talk about captivity. Jamie was held by Jake for 88 days, and almost the entire time she was a prisoner. She was trapped. She was barely allowed to leave Jake's room. She would be barricaded by Jake underneath his bed with like tote bags and laundry baskets and he would put like weights in them to like keep it heavy so that she couldn't like push her way out of it. And he would stack it all around the bed so that she was barricaded underneath the bed. And he would tell her if she tried to move, he would know and there would be repercussions if she would do anything like that. One time during a time that he had left and had barricaded her under all of them, she had accidentally shifted one of the totes. And because of this, Jake said, if you ever do this again, there will be consequences. Another time, Jake was just mad at her. And he took this object, um, like the end of an object that's used to clean blinds, and he hit her really hard in the back with it. So Jake would also force Jamie under his bed any time that he had family members come over. He would also turn music up really loud in other rooms so that Janie wouldn't be able to catch on and hear any sort of conversations that he had. Uh, I'm assuming he probably never discussed this, otherwise probably somebody would have <laughs> had some sort of tip, but... Just to be on the safe side, he didn't want to make he wanted to make sure that she couldn't hear anything, and he would turn the music up really loud and once again barricade her under the bed. Jake said that he had many sexual fantasies about Jamie. However, because of the guilt for killing her parents, he could never act on any of them. But he would force Jamie to sleep in the same bed, and during their time together, he, you know, never left her leave the house, pretty much only would it allow her to come out onto the front lawn. And only if he had surveyed the area, making sure there was no one around, as well as she mostly had to stay inside. She didn't have any freedom. She was completely held captive. Jake did never put any locks on the doors. He thought that Jamie was his prisoner and he thought that there was no way she would ever escape. So he didn't add any extra like layer of security to any doors or any sort of thing like that. No windows had extra locks nothing. He he never really you know, thought that she would ever escape so he didn't go through any extra precautions in that aspect. So during his attack he had a plan and this is just to show how calculated he really was. He took a number of steps to make sure his identity could not be found and to make it such a hard wild goose chase for the cops. Not only did he steal license plates from other cars to kind of conceal his identity of his car. You know, it wouldn't be traced back to him if they ran the plates because it's not his car. Um, It's not his plate. It is his car. (laughs) He used that so that he would avoid being spotted. He also, like I said, had turned off the dome light in his vehicle to make sure that if he opened the door or opened the trunk or any sort of thing, no lights would really show So that was kind of like a way to stay hidden in complete darkness, but like hidden in plain sight. He also, uh, the shotgun that he used to murder both of her parents, he had wiped down the gun and had been wearing gloves to ensure that there were no fingerprints whatsoever on the gun. And he shaved his head uh, and all of the hair on his body to ensure that no DNA evidence would be left at the scene. Because of these extensive measures that he took to... of conceal his identity from the public and from the police officers, the Barron County District Attorney office said that he was a flight risk and he was a danger to society. Additionally, it came to be that he had no ties to Barron County. So Barron County was where she was taken from. He found her because she was happening to get on the school bus. Other than he worked at like a cheese factory, like I said, for two days. He was like a temp that had been hired by a temp agency and he never showed up for his third day of work. His only tie to being in Barron County was literally to kidnap Jamie. Also later on in the investigation, it was found that there were no social media ties to Jamie and that Jake probably most likely didn't even know Jamie's name until after the abduction. So let's talk about Jamie's escape. Jamie was able to escape on January 10th, 2019. Jake Patterson told Jamie that he was going to go out, and as usual, per their routine, he barricaded her under the bed with toads and laundry baskets and weights in the laundry baskets and was like, if you move any of these, there's going to be consequences. This time, Jamie, suspecting he would be out for a little bit longer than normal, decided to push out all of these totes and laundry baskets, you know, with all her force, got out from underneath the bed and booked it out of there. She was wearing leggings and Like a sweatshirt um, and she stole a pair of his shoes because she didn't have any and she ran. She ran for her life. Keep in mind this is Wisconsin in January so it was frigid cold out there. So Jamie escaped the house and as she was running trying to find someone and as she was running and trying to find anyone she bumped into a woman who was out walking her dog. Jeanne Nutter found Jamie and immediately recognized her because there had been coverage all over the place about this missing girl. And so Jean took Jamie to one of their neighbors' houses and the neighbors allowed Jamie to call 911. So when the police were called, Jamie told them that Jake Patterson had murdered her parents and had kept her a prisoner at Jake's house. Police arrived very shortly after this call was placed to 911, and they arrived to the house around 4.43 p.m. From there, they removed Jamie from the premises for her own safety, and they took her into police custody, and later took her to a hospital just to make sure she was okay, to check her out. Like I said, she had been outside in pretty cold weather, so they just wanted to make sure she was okay and in every regard. When Jake arrived back home he noticed that all of the bins had been pushed out and he noticed Janie was missing so he hopped back into his car and he patrolled the area trying to find Janie. He had noticed footprints in the snow and thought maybe he would be able to find her but turns out she was nowhere to be found so he drove back to his house. Upon his return home at around 4 54 p.m. There they were, the officers, and they were ready to arrest him. When the deputy stopped him, Jake got right out of the vehicles and just said, I did it. He knew at this point he was caught. So let's talk about Jake's confession. So Jake confessed to police that he had not only killed both of Jamie's parents, but he had also kidnapped Jamie. In the state of Wisconsin, he had no prior criminal record. When Jake was taken into police custody, he was charged with two counts of first-degree intentional homicide, one count of kidnapping, and one count of armed burglary. Due to all of these charges, his bail was set at $5 million cash. He had pled guilty to the first two counts, and due to this, the judge had agreed to dismiss the armed robbery charge. Additionally, the Douglas County Police officers did not press charges against Patterson related to the days in captivity for Jamie, as they figured that due to these other charges, there was already enough to give him a life sentence. And so they didn't feel like putting Jamie through all of that emotional, you know, sort of stuff going through in the trial. Later, Jake had confessed that he had committed these crimes mostly on impulse. He had also added that his intention was always to plead guilty in order to spare Jamie and her family all of the heartbreak and having to go through trial. On May 24th, 2019, Jake Patterson was sentenced to two consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole. He was also charged with an additional 40 years. At this time, Jake Patterson is considered a high suicide risk as he serves his time in jail. He's had like a very bizarre behavior since he has gone to prison, so that's why they consider him a suicide risk. Additionally, on March 27th, Jake Patterson was added as a lifetime member of the sex offender list. Jake Patterson, now age 22, is serving a life sentence at the Dodge Correctional Institute in Wisconsin. Jamie, now at age 14, lives with her aunt and uncle. In a statement, she said, he stole my parents from me. He stole almost everything I loved. For 88 days, he tried to steal me and he didn't care who he hurt or killed to do that. He can't take my freedom. He thought he could own me, but he was wrong. I was smarter. I watched his routine and I took back my freedom. Jamie's aunt, Jennifer Smith, was appointed as Jamie's legal guardian, and Jamie has been living with her aunt and uncle ever since. Jennifer Smith is an avid helper in the missing children and abduction community. She shares plenty of missing children and posts update regularly to try to help in any kind of cause that she can. In May of 2019, Jamie was honored as a hero at the Capitol in Madison, Wisconsin. She was given $25,000 of the reward money for saving herself. Though she hasn't really publicly talked about the events too frequently, She is presently reportedly doing very well for herself, given all of the events. Right now, the family's goal is to surround her with as much love as physically possible. About a year after the murder, she did make a statement, and that was, I am very happy to be home and getting back to the activities I enjoy. I love hanging out with all of my friends, and I feel stronger every day. So that's the story. Jamie is doing as well as she can be, given the circumstances, and is an inspiration for so many people i think her story is an amazing story of you know tragedy loss abduction and heroic strength at the end because i don't know too many people that would have the courage to escape from their abductor she is very very lucky to be safe and with a family that loves her and i am just so happy to hear that this had a happy ending at the end of the day If you like happy endings just as much as I do, don't forget to give this video a like. Comment down below anything you want because I always reply to every single comment. And don't forget to hit subscribe if you haven't already. And also if you want, you can hit that bell notification so that you always get notified anytime I post another video. I would absolutely, positively love it if you would go over to requestacase.com slash yellow and request a case because you never know it might just be the next episode of the podcast and with all of that i will see you guys the next time we go behind the yellow line goodbye